Good evening. Uh, welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour. It is March 9th. We're just cruising through the spring already. We're in the Missouri time where it's spring and then winter and then summer and then spring and then winter again. Right. Love it. Um, if you've been with us, we've been following Paul's missionary journeys and we've been starting with that. We will continue in that tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, we will be in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. So if you'll join me there, we'll start reading. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see where they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. I feel like that was a kind way to say that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, the word sharp means... Like, like severe, truly, truly severe. Go ahead. And so uh, they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers of the grace of the Lord. And they went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So what got us to this point? So we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, they just had the big Jerusalem council where they had the discussion about um, salvation basically by works and the law versus just salvation plus your faith and nothing else is needed. Um, One might say an attack from Satan, a strong attempt to destroy the early church, cause massive division and, um, you know, really change what God intended from the start, which is your faith plus what he's already done and nothing more is needed. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, and so they've just finished that. And now Paul being Paul is like, well, let's go. And what's happening here? So uh, and one of the reasons that we just wanted to highlight this part, but we're going to dive in here just a moment uh, with each panelist giving their advice on how to handle conflict. Uh, it seems like six or eight weeks ago, we, we kind of deep dove this knowing it was coming. And uh, all that said, uh, Mark Oh, it was when we came across the park passage that said Mark, you know, departed. Departed, mm-hmm. and so this is now the passage that talks about the fallout from the departure. And in the previous discussion, we talked about what the possible things might have been. One of them being uh, Mark was going home to tell on Paul that he wasn't having the Gentiles be circumcised and things like that. There's nothing in Scripture to intimate that. It's just an opinion. And then or he could have looked at all those mountains and the journey and thought, you know what? Yeah, it's not for me. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's what I've always kind of thought. He, he just wimped out, you know. And so Paul has drawn a line in the sand. I'm not taking this loser with me again. You know, and, and those are my words, not Paul's. Uh, and, of course, <laughs> Barnabas is the uh, son of consolation. Uh, some might think he probably was the gift of mercy. So he's never going to give up on you type thing, which can be a good thing, and, but also a bad thing. And so uh, that, that's what brought it. And, and, and both of them drew a hard line in the sand. I'm not going with him. I'm not going without him. So, you know, uh, I remember uh, Jerry Jolly's message because he preached through Acts in the two years that I was there at Temple, uh, 1995 to 1997. And when he got to this passage, his title was, When Good Men Differ. And uh, I, I was a young preacher, obviously, at the point, 
But I had already spent eight years up here in Missouri and learned about what happened in the Merrimack and State Association 50-some-odd years ago. Uh, and that's a real thing, you know, especially when – I mean, think about it. And even though this is a, something we'll deep dive some other time, but wh why are there so many denominations? You know, well, some of it is belief system, but some of it's also men didn't get along. Conflict. Yeah, conflict, right. Uh, that's why there's a BMA and an ABA. You know, and I've always thought that's one of Satan's greatest tools. Sure. It, you know, if you can divide, you can conquer. Right. You know, like, well, we can't have them getting along too much. Well, let me just see where I can drive a wedge. Let me just see where, you know, let's just get them disagreeing about this. And then the more they split, the more they're not united the more effective I'll be and they will not be. Right. So, so, so the, the, the phrase is test of fellowship. What is worthy to be a test of fellowship? And even though I don't think neither Paul nor Barnabas would say, well, no, we're not, we're, you know, we're, we, we were willing to this fellowship with one another. Yeah. Right. But we weren't willing to go on a missionary journey with each other with or without this person. So, so it definitely was conflict and, and it definitely brought division. Uh, now, that's, this is the beauty of, of God, that he can take church splits and he can take divisions like this and still work with them and the such. So. Well, and again, you know, Satan might have thought, well, this will be great. I'm going to separate Paul and Barnabas and just not, you know. It'll go away. Let's just wreck this whole thing they've right. got going and that's going to stop their progress in their ministry. Well, instead, here you've got Barnabas and Mark go one way, and then now you've got Paul and Silas going another way, and instead they just doubled their effectiveness. Right. So. That's exactly right. <clears throat> what what uh, the devil means for evil, God can turn it for good. That's right. And I had all the prejudices that you had until I did a little bit of reading on John Mark, what he did after this. So he, he became Peter's scribe, essentially. And then wrote the gospel. He uh, wrote the book of yeah, Mark. He did. Yeah, Mark. he did. So he was no small potatoes by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. and this is apparently after right. this, this conflict. Um, so well, well, no, I, 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 no, no, you didn't, you didn't say. I, I yeah, I've never said that Mark was a loser. Uh, he total but that, but that as much as story for me. Uh, I got you. So uh, I got you. that he had had not been effective, and then Paul just shunned him, and then right. later in life he came back in. He was busy that whole time. Right. Ultimately, he took the gospel to Alexandria, Egypt, and spread it there. So, right. I mean, he, he wasn't a, a loser, a reject. He, he was an effective person behind Correct. the scenes. Well, um, which is why Paul made sure that in his later writings, he commended Mark that he is profitable to me, you know. Uh, now, I didn't know that he was a liaison to Peter. I knew that he wrote the, you know, the book of the Bible, obviously. Uh, so and cool. it's considered Peter's viewpoint ah. of, the, of the life of Christ and early early gospel ministry. Well, right now I'm, I'm struggling with a theme because each gospel has a theme. Matthew's is the kingship. Uh, is Mark's that he's a servant? It's very action-oriented. Yeah. I was about to say, it's so more it's like um, headline news. Right. Mark is so yes. fast and hits yeah. the highlights. Do -do 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 -do. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. All right. So, so our takeaways from this, um, conflict is inevitable in life. Yeah, it's um, going to happen. If you're existing on the planet, mm -hmm. and as long as you're not, you know, solitary, alone, constantly, you're going to have conflict sometimes at work, sometimes in marriage, mm -hmm. sometimes with kids, sometimes at church. Ministry, yes. Yeah, I mean, Associations, right. Um, so what are your takeaways from this passage about dealing, 
your your best tools for dealing with conflict? Ryan? Uh, so first and foremost, going to the person face-to-face, one-on-one is the best, I think. Um, it's scriptural. Yeah, for one, you know, it says to do that in the church. Go to them and then go with the group of people, then go to, you know, work right. your way up. Um, but then also I was thinking about it, and it's a lot easier to admit faults to one person than instead of a group of people. So if you go to them personally instead of calling them out in front of everybody, right. it's a lot easier for the situation to diffuse itself. Right. Um, and then I was thinking about a particular situation at work when me and a good friend of mine were not agreeing on things and had no idea what was wrong, didn't yeah. really think I had slighted him or anything, but just for the first half of the day, we were you know at each other's throats just passive aggressively. So then about halfway through the day, we had to, I, I went to him, I was like, you know, what's up? What's like, going on? Yeah, so we, we worked through everything and just thinking about what was said and how we said it, um, I think a good principle is to clear the air of the worry of malicious intent. I mean, if there was malicious intent, obviously, you know, make that right, apologize for right. it as needed. Right. But, you know, just let them, let them know that, you know, if, even if you came across wrong, you, you didn't mean to. You know, right. you weren't trying to sabotage them or anything like right. that. So I, I think that would be my takeaways from that experience. And that's very interesting from the standpoint of that, I, and, and I, I have been, I've been guilty of it, but I've also been accused of it. You know, you say one thing, and then someone takes it mm-hmm. completely, you know, different direction. You don't have control over that. But if that person's not careful, they still hold you accountable mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, that, that's not what I said, and it's not what I'm saying. And so that, there's really nothing that has to be asked for forgiveness on my part. you, you got to let that go. Mm-hmm. That You dreamt that up, if you will. And then, I, and, but again, I mean, I've certainly been on that side of it too, especially in marriage. <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> it well, was a text. It didn't have any tone. That, that's right. That's right. So uh, the good stuff, good stuff. Yes, everything Ryan said, everything that you can keep in confidence, keep in confidence. Sometimes a public uh, dispute has to be addressed publicly mm-hmm. uh, because of things that are said. Rebuke public mm-hmm. sin openly. Mm-hmm. Yeah have to be acknowledged and corrected publicly, but as best you can, keep it in, in confidence. And if it's a, Dave always, if you're a mediator in that circumstance, and sometimes it comes to it. So Ryan mm-hmm. addressed the, the, the best way to do it is just between you and the, mm-hmm. and the individual that there's a problem with. The next step is to get, take a brother with you and, and go and talk to that person. And if you're a mediator in that situation, first thing you wanna do is affirm both people. Right. And say, Don't I know take you're both sides. Good people. Yep. I know you both have done good things. I know you both have skills and gifts in your respective part. Um, and it would be very good to be specific. Um, you have both helped me in this regard. Um, and then then get to the whatever the conflict is. And if you can come to the point where you can say, would you let this go? For the cause of Christ, mm-hmm. would you to each party? Um, can you get past it? Uh, then I would encourage you to forgive each other, acknowledge each other's differences of opinion or technique, or apologize for our statement that was made in error or in haste, um, and then move on. So uh, that 
this is a, a Dave Mailsism, so I gotta be careful here. In business, he, he calls it a sandwich. It's a crap sandwich. Mm -hmm. Can I say that? You praise and then you, you criticize deal, and then you praise. The Criticism you sandwich. <laughs> so start with compliment, deal with the junk, and then end with a, um, a sweet comment or at least a vision for how they can proceed together forward. And I think that you got to almost you got to know who you're dealing with uh, because I've seen some people when you start to praise them, they just, they know it's coming, you know? So, <laughs> so honestly with me, just tell me, give me the, the first piece of like crap first. It's yeah. an open face. Yeah, Cause honestly, I don't, I don't care what you praise me about. I want to hear what the problem is. You see what I'm yep, saying yep. now, but then, but that's, you know, each personality is different. And, and I think as a, and don't get me wrong, I think that is a good approach. You know, And it does depend on the person that's mediating what their relationship is to you. Correct. If they're your boss, yeah. that that mm -hmm. You just got to take it. Yeah. just got to take it. Yep. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so, and, and, and Brother Gavin brought out a very good point. There, there are so many fingers to conflict. You know, we're, we're not going to exhaust this subject tonight. And so, you know, Ryan addressed basically one-on-one. -on -one Gavin addressed being the mediator and the such. And so, you know, mine is more just kind of a, just a general approach. And I got to find my notes here. Um, first thing you got to do is pray. Beg God, you know, and I'm sure, Ryan, you did that before you went and oh, talked yeah, to your buddy. Sure. You know, Lord, make me humble here. Uh, give me, give me, you know, I got two ears, one mouth, Lord, so help me listen twice as much. Such of that nature. And, and guys, this would be a good topic someday. I have learned pray specifically what you're wanting to see. Pray specifically what you believe biblically needs to happen, such of that nature. So if you know, you know, if you're dealing with a Ben Kingston and you know that he can be hard-nosed and he can be difficult and he can be stubborn, pray that he'd be tender. Pray that he'd be soft. Pray that he wouldn't react, so on and so forth. Basically a miracle. Yeah, right. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, you dealt with me. Amen. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, secondly, listen and think before you speak. You know, uh, here's the issue. Talk to me. Listen and think before you speak. Uh, the Edgar Murray does the seven highly effective habits. You, yeah, you got to do I, that too. I actually was stealing from one of those. Yeah, seek um, to understand yeah. rather than to be understood. First, you know, seek to understand. Because if you will seek to understand, that may change how you're going to present what you're going to say uh, and help the understanding. And then thirdly, do unto others. Uh, you know, treat that person the way you'd want them to treat you in this situation. So you're going to forgive them. You're going to restore them back to the same level of fellowship that you had before the issue, such of that nature. So I was stealing from the seven habits of highly effective yeah. people, which you reference, but one of them is begin with the end in mind. Mm. So whatever arena you're having this conflict in, let's say it's church, and you're have, could you begin solving the conflict with the end in mind we're trying to reach lost souls right mm -hmm. like can we can we move past this if it's your marriage our common goal is that we're trying to have this a good solid marriage so we're going to we're going to resolve this conflict or in a friendship or fill in the blank like what is our common goal that we're trying to reach together um and begin with let's 
let's keep that in mind is that's our end goal. So we're in a hiccup right now with this conflict and we're gonna get past it because we both have the same goal. Um, but I was also thinking, um, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, if that sounds familiar, it's what you hear read at a lot of weddings. It's the love oh, chapter, yeah, which Paul wrote. Um, and was he writing it so that people could read it at marriages and it would just be a nice little passage? It was written the for the church right. to love within the church. So here's Paul involved in this conflict with Mark, and he later writes this whole love and let me just refresh your memory if it's not on the tip of your tongue i'm going to start in first corinthians 13 4 love is patient love is kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things um and while that's a beautiful thing between a husband and wife that's intended for us to practice in the church. Right. So when conflict arises, I mean, let's get back to the basics. It's about love. Right. We're supposed to have love. Um, you, you know, strip it all down. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we can do that right and really live in that, that solves a whole lot of conflicts. I think you're able to overlook some petty things or maybe you'll see your own wrong right. a little bit easier than you did before that's not easy to practice but it is what we're called to do i, I have a con confession to make because when i see uh, two christians that have decided we're not going to be able to get along or, i i it depresses me it, right. it, does christianity not work does does in the church if love as the objective and forgiveness as the way of uh, correction or the way of, um, it's the defensive side. The lo off love is the offensive side. And, and when that goes awry and someone's offended or there's a or conflict, then forgiveness is the, the correction for that, uh, the defensive side. If that doesn't work in the church, that, that's, that depresses me. That, that really bothers me. And I, I keep coming back to that Francis Schaefer study we did Mark way back of Christianity. It, we lose our credentials if we don't get right. along. If we're not by this, shall all men know that that I'm the Son of God and I'm the one that God sent. So if if we don't if we're not unified, I feel like we've had a huge setback as far as our objective in winning our community to to Christ. Well, and God wouldn't command us to love if it were impossible. He wouldn't ask us to do something that's what? impossible to do. So that implies that if you're having trouble loving your neighbor, if you're having trouble loving someone in your church or even in your own family, it's not impossible. It just probably needs blanketed in prayer. What you're saying, all failures are Fail prayer, prayer failures. failures. Right. Um, the other, you know, we're talking about tools in conflict that we use. Um, I'm a firm believer, and existing on this planet means you have to have truckloads of patience mm -hmm. and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where I heard this, but I've often heard that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it will hurt <laughs> the other person. Mm. It's just not how yeah. it works. Bitterness, yeah. If you're being unforgiving, it's, n it's never hurting mm -mm. the person you're mad it's at. You. It's always hurting you. So, um, And just having you know, been around the son a couple of years now um i've learned that the more patience and forgiveness i'm bringing to the table 
the happier I am and the happier people around me are as well. Um, And I feel like that's what God's called me to do, us to do. And when we don't do that, well, we're not. Fail. Yep. Fail. Oh, my third thing. Yes. And then I'm done. Sorry. You're good. The gift of time. (laughs) Sometimes you just need a little time. Right, right. When there's conflict, I do feel. Or a snack. Snack. It's often Helps. both. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you do need a little bit of time. There, there is a dynamic of you know, let's it, things need to simmer, uh, you know, cool down. If it's if the pot's hot, let it cool just right. a little bit. Um, do does time heal all wounds? Mm. But it helps. Sometimes yeah. you just need a little bit of because yeah. what happens as Paul demonstrates, you know, he's unhappy with Mark. Right. And he has his reasons. We don't know all of them, you but bet. he clearly has his reasons. And what happens in the end, you know, Mark is profitable to me. He's right. he's he's in camp Mark and that's we for a reason. Gospel. Maybe he right. needed some time. Maybe he needed to pray. Maybe he needed to re- maybe he wrote this love chapter and was like, you know what? I need to pray. <laughs> well, who knows? But he comes around. Right. I've wondered if if Paul wrote down all of his qualities, and then just did the opposite for the love chapter. (laughs) I'm not patient. It's patient. I'm not kind. It's kind. You know, the other thing, and this is just, this is things we'll know in heaven. Maybe one of the Gospels was written, and Paul got a chance to look at one of the other letters, and I'm thinking about Matthew and the the, um, Sermon on the Mount, where it says, if you come to bring a gift to God and you remember our brother has something against you, mm-hmm. leave your gift there and then go get it right with your brother. Now, that's, that's not you have something against your brother. You know your brother has something against you. Right. God's working it both ways. Make sure your relationship is clear. And maybe Paul read that letter or, or one of the other brothers came to him. Hey, isn't it time you, you and Mark and right. Barnabas worked it out? Um, so who knows the dynamic there, but it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. Stuff. All right. Um, do any take it or leave it? Or I'm just saying, anybody got something fun to break the? Let, let me read this from Larry real quick. It seems some churches divided of small, from small opinions of small differences in their thinking. Many people can misunderstand what you say to what they think you meant. Very good. Uh, so I'm just saying, who's got one? I got one. Sure. So uh, perusing my usual YouTube channels, and I ran across this. Uh, um, it's not going to mean much to anybody that isn't in medicine or biology. It's called topoisomerase. Have you anybody heard this new molecule that's been, I guess it's been discovered and then it's been figured out what it does. And it's part of the process of DNA replication. When the replication goes on, the unwinding of the strand makes the rest of the molecule twist around itself. Mm. So this little molecule finds these twisted up strands of DNA, which aren't good anymore if they're wound around each other, and untangles them. Yeah. Can you imagine how... Untangles the electric cord of DNA. It's, it's exactly like a, a water hose that gets wrapped around itself, yeah. or you, you start pulling... Mark, in, I'm in, seeing Christmas lights. That's it, what I'm seeing. Oh, it's Lord, like pulling in the middle of the strand. Give me 10 that, extension cords over Christmas lights. So chance and time has so much forethought. To, to put that molecule in the... Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. You just, just amazing. Just a big bang could have y- yeah. made Boom. that happen. Oh. <laughs> Ryan, you got one? I'm just saying the weather needs to make up its mind. It's going to be <laughs> cold or warm. because it's, it's going it's, to next week. The cold snaps are depressing. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to next week. 
I'm just saying, uh, seeing someone taste authentic maple syrup for the first time never gets old. We had the uh, Anaconda Co-op come over today and did a little workshop on, on maple syrup and, of course, let them all get a taste test, and it was cool. And there's mm. nothing like fresh. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Oh, man. I had store-bought just high-fructose corn syrup and dye <laughs> syrup the other day, and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Why did we ever even have this? It's like going back to gas station coffee when you've been brewing your own mm, at home. No doubt. <laughs> mm, no, no doubt. I'm just saying it's March Madness time. Yes, I am it is. so excited. Are you My ready? Son, you want to oh, do a bracket? Yeah. Oh, of course. We do it every year. Um, I've won the last two years, so I'm going for a three-peat at my house. So, I mean, so do we want to do a, a BRH challenge? I mean, if you want to get beat. These two don't even know oh, what we're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. You might as well do the monkey I, method. I, I, yeah, throw darts at it. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much actually do that. I don't know how I win, but this year I'm playing for Mellow Mushroom. We play for a restaurant, so there you go. Well, Dawn does by the prettiness of the names, yeah, or the mascot, <laughs> or she has my son fill it. Or she has. That's right. That's right. That's true. I so I'll, I'll, I'll get brackets to you. I'll get brackets to you. It's a good time. Right. The, the so this weekend is the conference championships, mm -hmm. and then selection Sunday is this Sunday, and then it'll start Tuesday. Tuesdays will be the play-in games. The wild card, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. All right. So on to mystery topic time. And finally, last but certainly not least, we have Ryan's mystery topic. Dun, dun, dun. So I had mentioned, of course, it's been a couple months ago now, uh, my, just in passing, that I have a few disagreements, so to speak, with, like, the whole mental health yeah. discussion. So I figured I'd just elaborate on that a little bit and get your guys' opinion. Um, and I don't think I can hit every point that I want to yeah. or elaborate as well as I want, but I wrote a little bit of stuff down. And um, there's two points that I wanted to hit mostly. And the first one is that the, I'll just read what I wrote. I said, the broad category of mental health can and is used, can be and is used to justify or excuse poor behavior. For example, this has been used in sports with athletes quitting on their teammates and using it as an excuse. Another example I've seen is, a woman leaving her husband and then saying she's doing it to watch out for her mental health. Not saying that that's the case every time or that, you know, that's always happens, but it's such a broad and subjective category. It can be used for just to justify just about anything, right. whether self-serving or not. Uh, and so then, there was two things. Then. Yes. And then point number two is uh, I have a problem with the human condition being categorized as a medical condition. Right. Uh, and so I wrote, too often aspects of the human condition, such as depression and anxiety, are treated like medical conditions. I think this is a destructive and anti-Christian way to view the topic because it turns the person suffering to the wrong source and takes, um, what's the word, agency out of the equation. Right. Um, God offers us solutions to depression and anxiety in his word, but if we medicalize these aspects of the human condition that we all share, it leads us not to the water that springs into everlasting life, but temporary physical water that runs dry, to use Jesus's terms. And then I sent Brad a picture, if he wants to um, put it up on the screen, of the culmination of this line of thinking. I was scrolling through Facebook and saw a meme of someone coming out in support of suicide. And wow. it says, uh, suicide is not selfish. Suicide is normally death caused by the illness of depression. So as you can see, this type of thing, that's what it leads to, this type of thinking. And, you know, that depression is a sickness. You're the victim of it. You don't have 
any way out of it. There's no, there's no solution other than, you know, if everything is physical, then this is what it leads to, I think. So that, that's, those are my two biggest reasons for disagreeing with the mainstream, I would say, view of the subject. Yeah, so I agree with those two points, uh, that it can be and is used to excuse bad behavior. It's certainly done that. And then the human condition uh, gets relegated to a medical condition. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. Um, I think it is important for us to say what I, in my humble opinion, that you're, you're not saying, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you're not saying that uh, mental illness, if you will, is not a thing. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Me mental illness is a thing. And there is, too, a difference between, quote-unquote, mental illness and uh, neurological diseases, too. There's a, Correct. a huge difference there, too. Correct. And so w w what I think is, because I certainly agree with you much more than I disagree, if I disagree at all, um, I, I've struggled with this with my brother's situation, um, the medical world tells alcoholics that it's a disease. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is alcoholism is a sin. You're over drinking, uh, overeating is a sin, and you just go right down the, the line there. And anyone that overindulges in fill in the blank is going to have pretty serious consequential circumstances. Then when you get into those circumstantial consequences, now all of a sudden you start struggling with mental illness, you know. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the egg being mental illness, the chicken being overindulgence. And so um, a refusal by our medical world to, to ask, tell me about your behaviors, mm. you know, and such, and, and try to figure out what of this has been self-inflicted and the such I think is damaging, you know, because what ends up happening is they throw pills at these things, mm. and, and then you get into truly psychotic events because of the side effects of these very serious strong drugs and the such. Now, all that said, uh, I, I counsel people with anxiety. I counsel people with, uh, you know, struggles, me mental struggles. And, and they should get counsel, too. You better believe. Yeah, it, and it's real. Mm -hmm. and, and I say they, we should yeah, get Yeah, we. Counsel. That's exactly yeah. right. We. And, and uh, I... <laughs> My brother taught me something about looking down, and, and I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I have done this, and he did it, and that is seeing someone struggle with something and just thinking it's in your head. And so, and this was his son. Mm -hmm. His son had a severe coughing problem, and he was convinced that he was making it up. And two months later, Tony got the same issue. And... Tony saw it as God basically saying, oh, okay, let's, let's see how you like it, you know, and realized that he couldn't control it. And, and my wife can tell you there's many things where something will come up, and my first response might be, oh, man, and then I'm like, Lord, no, I, I really don't want to relate. What if I was there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to go through that just so I can realize that that person has a legit issue. So I was in Dallas one day late for my flight home. And I had a legit, full-on panic attack. I was screaming in my car, screaming at my wife, flipping out. And I got to the airport on time, got on the plane on time, everything was fine. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> what was that? 
And, and so it was a panic attack. It was an anxiety attack, whatever you want to call it. And I believe, uh, based on talking with other people that dealt with them so much more, I, I believe that it is overcomable. I believe that it is to some level controllable. But I, they're real things, you know. Now, again, I, I, I'm totally with you from the standpoint of we, we, we've got to deal with this as a spiritual condition. You know, God can fix this. He can help it. And, and, it, and I, I tell people, you've heard it from the pulpit, if you've got a truly, uh, like, like I, I make a difference between uh, clinical depression and, uh, what's the word, you, uh, not bipolar, even though that has become one of the more recent ones, but uh, th- there was a term 20 years ago. Manic depressive? Or uh, no. Uh, shoot. Obsessive compulsive? No. Uh, basically, it was it was a chemical issue, uh, and I I'm not right, thinking of the right term, but but chemical imbalance. It, it, well that that'll work chemical imbalance, and and so you know I, I tell people you you got something going on that's outside of you that you didn't quote unquote do anything to bring this about, go get medical help you know take your meds so on and so forth, uh, and, and I would tell someone that struggles with bipolar the same thing, uh, t- take your meds. Now, if you see huge, wild swings of side effects, then, you know, you may want to revisit. Get another opinion. Get another opinion. Go to a Christian counselor, such of that nature. So, a little bit higher view of it. I I think a lot of the things that we see as as dysfunction in in our society are directly related to our departure from God. Absolutely. Deuteronomy 27 covers all of the, the, it's shocking if you were to read through that chapter and the curses that come out in a country when they leave God, it's almost verbatim what's going on in our, in our um, country now. And I agree. So there's another thing afoot here in the United States, and it's victimhood. Victimhood is the last unquestioned bastion of authority in the United States. You can't question. It's an authority. I'm a victim. I, am, I have a mental illness. I have a, a problem, and you can't be questioned after that. So, so I see it as a, um, a way to get your way, a way to get, uh, be absolved of responsibility for your actions. I see, I see all that. In addition to what Ben was just saying, some, some people actually have a problem. Others people, other people use it to their advantage. I, I have people that come to the clinic and say, can you write me a note to say my pet is an a, uh, emotional support animal? And they have absolutely no business asking me to do that. And I, I flat out tell them, no, you should work that out with your doctor right. or, you know, some other um, mental health professional, I, n- not me. So there, there are a lot of people that are, and they do that so that their dog can go with them to Europe. That, sure. That's the reason for that. And I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. So, and then on the other side of that, we have professionals who are expanding their client base by saying things like shyness or mourning when someone dies and you go through a period period of depression or sorrow because of the loss of that person those are mental health issues so so i can see how they are taking advantage as well um, you should come see me because shyness is something that you know that that's a mental health issue it's it's a personality issue and if if it is an issue you should work through it and you may want to get counseling but to expand normal human reaction and emotion or, or claim it is a mental health problem 
is a problem to me too. So I see professionals that are, are and, and I'm not saying that when you have the loss of a loved one, you shouldn't get uh, counseling, but mourning is not a mental illness. It's a normal, natural, it's healthy. A God, it's a God-given. Healthy response right. to the loss of somebody you, you love. And to try to, to reason it away or get it counseled away, I think is unwise. And, and if a mental health professional is trying to get you to do that, I think that's wrong. And some may not. I'm not putting everybody in the same uh, basket here. Uh, some will genuinely help you get through it. The, the guy that wrote the book, uh, When Life Changes yeah. Forever. Yeah, Rick Taylor. That's a I mean, real way to I'll say right it. now, if I lose someone close to me, like if I lost a child, you better believe I'm going to need some kind of mental health counseling. <sighs> and I bet. think that would be healthy and good. <laughs> you bet. For sure. You bet. Um, and, and I, yes, I don't mean to say that that's not the case, but I can see how it's been taken advantage of as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I feel like where there's anything, there's the potential for somebody to abuse it right. to benefit them in any arena. Um, when it comes to mental health and anxiety and depression, um, I would have agreed with you until I was said person. And I know that because we were doing a study in our small group, and I can remember reading the book, and it was a husband and wife. They wrote the book together, and it was a really great marriage book. But in part of it, the wife was telling um, how she struggled with anxiety, and it kind of hit her out of nowhere, and it was unexplained and unexpected, and it was a, a huge struggle. And I can remember reading it very distinctly and thinking, oh, my gosh, really? Anxiety? That's your big struggle? <laughs> like, how bad can that? Oh, my gosh. I right. mean, could you come up with something else? Right. Like and I'm that, in no way saying that it's no uh, big deal. Yeah. Or, you know, Until right. I was that girl, and then it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so horrible. Yeah, and I... I'd been through lots of difficult trials and things going, you know, and here I'm at a point in my life where, yeah, we built our forever home. I've been in my career forever. I love my job. I love my church. My family's good. Kids are healthy. Like, all things are great. And here comes this just emotional, disastrous Insane. anxiety that Breaking. I could not control. Paralyzing. And it, it was. It was debilitating, and, and it was horrible. And I didn't know what to do, and I was like, well... <laughs> I'm not taking medicine. I'll do everything else. Acupuncture, chiropractic, you fill in the blank. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm not GD taking beads, any medicine. Marijuana. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tribal hallucinogen, I didn't care. CBD. It didn't matter. Christian I book distributors. Yeah, exactly. Like, if somebody was passing around hallucinogen, I probably would have not been against it if I'll I could keep those. my job. But, you know, it was really bad. It was a struggle. And it, honestly, uh, there's a lot of things I learned out of that. Um, but one of it was empathy for people. Right. Like, people are struggling, mm -hmm. um, and they don't know what hit them. And for me, that was the case. Like, I, it didn't make any sense. I found an awesome Christian counselor, and that was like a night and day experience. And um, you can medicate things away, and I'm not against it. There are absolute chemical imbalances. That right. I'm not going to discount not, that. If you're not coping, but right. you need help. You don't want to put a Band-Aid on something that really needs mm -hmm some good, solid mental right. health counseling. Terry, I just want to tell you that I had the exact same thing happen to me when my, my mom passed away. I had no idea what was happening to me. Just panic attacks and, and uh, paralyzing yeah. panic attacks. So it, it's real, yeah. and, and you need to get help. And I will say, though, I was strong in my faith. I was right. praying. I was in the Word. I'm I I was helping too. with small group. Yeah. I'm doing the, you know, I'm functioning in life, and, I mean, it wasn't a spiritual issue it was an absolute 
mental health I, issue. I Those are two tribute. separate things. And, and to me, I likened it to saying like, well, man, if I were stronger in my faith, I just wouldn't be struggling with this diabetes right now. Mm. That's what I paralleled right. it to. And finally, I realized it was something, it, it wasn't spiritual. And for people to equate it to, well, if you prayed more, it would go away. Right. That, that was so not the case. It needed good, solid counseling. Counseling um, or medication yeah. or both. And I would still. And we got there, and I mean, once you have victory, you want everybody else to have victory too. Amen. Which is where I'm at now. But I I just want to say, don't don't subtract the spiritual spiritual aspect of it from it. Right. It's still part of your struggle. Well, don't you think some of that was uh, an attack? I would say that. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. So, so that's where I bring the spiritual part of it. Um, So, the the, and and we got you know potentially both spectrums here, and, and I think both of you are right. I believe that, that, that this is a real issue. I also believe and agree that our world as a whole has taken it and run with it to the most unhealthy level that you can think of as far as rationalizing their behavior. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and, and that, Because that's not what you did. But I will say it was encouraging when Michael Phelps, and again, it, forgive me, I'm sure I've said this already, but he, the greatest athlete to probably walk the planet, and he can get behind anything he wants and support, you know, everybody makes their banner that I'm going right. to hold up. And here Michael Phelps goes in front of the whole world and is like, mental health. And right. I was like, well, thank you, Michael Phelps. Thank <laughs> you. for. I mean, everybody wants, it's like, oh, right. they have, it's like they're diseased and just something's right. horribly wrong with them because they might struggle. Or with, they're faking it. Right. So, so let's draw a net on this because we got the trick guys in here. Um, what we have to do is we have to understand this better and better and better because there are going to be uh, issues and areas where it's being uh, rationalized and, and all sorts of bad behavior is being justified with that. That's got to be... That's one end of the spectrum, absolutely. for sure. Yeah. And that, that's the end he's yeah. addressing. Yeah. And, and then the other end of it is, is there's some people that are struggling and suffering through absolute mental health. And there's health. no need to be ashamed of it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's That's no right. need to be ashamed. Uh, yeah, yeah, it needs to be talked openly. Uh, what place on the planet should be more receiving to those people? Than the church. Than the church. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, the, the latest Trek question. Changing gears. Yeah, so um, we have Trek with us again tonight. We're hey. so thankful for that. We are thankful for their questions. And this, I cannot think of a more... Um, just pertinent question to our times, but the question was, should we be afraid of the end of times? So I'll tell you what Tony told us when we were on the top of an icy uh, ramp into the Merrimack River. I asked all three of the kids, what should we do if we started going down this ramp and couldn't stop and we're going to end up in an icy river? Benjamin Molly said we should open a door and get ready to jump. Benjamin said something also very ap- apropos, and Tony said, we should panic! <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is certainly an option. We, we should panic, and, and no, that's not the answer to this. Um, first of all, guys, uh, I think that's about as good a question as you can come up with right now. Uh, we are, and I think every generation can say this because every generation is closer to, but we are as close to the end times as anybody has ever been, and we are getting closer and closer to being able to say, we're just smack dab in it. Uh, Now, a third of the planet hadn't died yet. 
And so, in my humble opinion, we're not into the seven-year tribulation period, but we've got wars and rumors of wars, and we've got all sorts of inflation going on. We've got a quote-unquote worldwide pandemic. Uh, we've got some tough stuff going on. So, but to simply ask, should we be afraid of the end times? Absolutely not, unless you do not know Jesus. If you do not know Jesus, you should be absolutely afraid of the end times because your time on this earth is short and the rest of the rest of your life will be spent in eternal damnation. That's not good news. And so uh, that's why churches like Bethel Baptist Church are here to make sure everyone knows that that's a needless uh, option. You do not have to pay for your sins for the rest of the rest of your life. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you can live in a climate-controlled place for the rest of the rest of your life. And if you want to talk to someone about that, we all stand ready uh, to talk to you. Of course, David and uh, Molly uh, does too. But I, I'm going to take the easy answer and just say absolutely you should not be afraid, but you should prepare. Uh, you should prepare with your relationship with God. You don't want to be a stranger when you get to heaven. Uh, you want to feel comfortable there. Uh, you, you want to feel comfortable. You want to know the person that stands before you. The language and customs of, of heaven. That's right. That's right. So... Uh, what else would you guys throw in there? I, I, that was my response was, if you know Jesus Christ, you should not, not be afraid. You should not be and afraid. In every aspect of his ministry, he tried to establish a relationship with the people that he was around, was walking with. He did his best to improve their life, to heal them, to encourage them, to give them a hope. Um, and a couple of verses came to mind. in Back it up just a little bit. He also said, I tell you these things so you'll know that right. I'm telling you the truth. Um, so he told us these times are coming, and he promised us he would never leave us or forsake us. Um, so he's given us assurances that he knows what he's doing and that he's going to be with us. Now, these are passages of scriptures. In addition to uh, God hasn't given us a fear, spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And, if, and that's a real good temperature check. If you, you feel like you're afraid of everything going on, step back and, and realize that that spirit is not from the Lord. Um, that was a big part of me getting over my panic attacks. We were just talking about panic attacks. Um, fear isn't from the Lord. So I had to, I mean, it was a really good check for me to, to work through what was going on in my life and my mind at that time. He, he also gives us passages of scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. You know, God thinks about you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, to give you a future that's full of peace, of course, and uh, uh, protected from evil. That's what God thinks about you. Isaiah 49, 15, can a woman forget her suckling child that she should have not have compassion on the son of her, of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget you. This is what... God is saying to his beloved, Behold, I have graven thee upon my, the palms of my hands. Mm. Thy walls are continually before me. God is, is constantly inspection of the walls that protect you. Um, so these are the things that God thinks about us and the assurances and promises that he gives us. So, yes, we are going to face, if this is the end times, if we live into the end times, there will be... Uh, perilous things, things that we've never heard of before that happen, but we have no reason to fear if we know Jesus. Do you have a... 
Um, so I noticed Gavin had the book that we're reading in our small group as well, the Book of Signs. So this is a book about um, the prophecies about the end of time. Um, so when I talk about prophecies, do you understand what a prophecy is? Okay. Um, basically, it's saying in the Bible there's prophecies. In other words, something a prophet or somebody said would happen in the future. So hundreds of years before Jesus was born, there were prophecies made about Jesus, how he would be born, where he would be born, how he would die, he would be resurrected, the whole thing. All of these prophecies, hundreds of years before Jesus hit the planet, and all of it came true. There's prophecies also about what's going to happen at the end of times. So, you know, rationally thinking, if all of those prophecies about Jesus came true, why wouldn't the prophecies about the end of times also be true? So I was reading this book, and someone I work with said, how can you read that? Doesn't that scare you? Like, that's scary, like the end of times. Like, why would you read that? Isn't it terrifying? And I was like, no, the opposite. It gives me a lot of peace right. because God hasn't kept it a secret. Right. He's telling us these things are going to happen, and instead of it scaring me, I find a lot of comfort in it because I know his word is true. He's already proven himself to be faithful. He's proven himself to do the things he said he would do. Um, so if he's saying these things are going to happen, I believe they're going to happen. I don't believe we will suffer the full effects of the things that are going to happen in the very last days. I personally believe in the preachers and theologians that I trust the most also believe that we the christians won't be here for this portion of it right. um and that brings me a lot of peace amen. Yeah. amen so uh you ever heard the southern gospel song i've read the back of the book and we win <laughs> i saw that on a t-shirt once. yeah uh blessed is he this is from the book of revelation blessed is he or she who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So there's a blessing if you just simply read the book of Revelation. There's a blessing if you hear the words of the book of Revelation, and there's a blessing if you keep those things. There's not a one single word in here about understanding because there's a lot of stuff in the book of Revelation that's difficult to understand because you had a man that was just a few years removed from the life of Christ, looking at something that was going to happen at least 2,000 years in front of him. John the Revelator is not going to understand what an Apache helicopter looks like. He's not going to be able to say, that's an Apache helicopter. He's going to say, that's a scorpion. And look at the things that or, come out yeah, of the tail looks, of that thing. It looks thing. like or, a locust, some kind right, of locust right. thing. Or all the people of the earth being able to see the image of the beast at one time. I can, yeah, you can see anything yeah. you want on the other side of the world. Right. Or a one-world economy. Like, how right. in the right. world would that? Well, even 100 years ago, we couldn't have imagined something like that. Right. Um, but, but now, but it's here. you know, hello, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. Cryptocurrency. So, again, guys, you go to the Word of God. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to tell you the three verses that got me through college. You think, you think tribulation is bad. Wait till you get in college. That is not true. Go to college. I'm, no, no, no. I'm not saying don't go. I'm saying, Lord, help. Uh, because not only are you going to be facing some of the toughest subjects that you've ever dealt with, your hormones are raging at that time. And you need a woman or you need a man and such of that nature. 
And so you're going to be lonely. You're going to struggle. You need the word of God to help you through that time. These are the verses that God used to get me through college. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And that's talking about a relationship. Be anxious or worried for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And even though uh, prayer and supplication may not always be the whole answer, it's always a part of the answer. And it's important that you remember that. I like Jerry Jolly's approach. I'm either going to pray or Or worry. I'm I'm not going to do do both. both. Amen. Uh, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the King James says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. And then lastly, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If you will each morning give God your to-do list, Give him the things that you think you need to do and say, okay, Lord, now you order my day. And just think, if we are in the end times, it's all the more important for us to to do that, to check in with God in the morning and make sure that he and I and you and him are together to move forward. Because I I truly believe, uh, I mean, even if if all of the quote-unquote church is out, and which I hope and pray that we are, the, the believers that will be saved during that tribulation time, they're going to see things that you and I maybe never experienced because they're going to, you know, great pressure brings many times great responses, you know, uh, and great dependence upon God. And so uh, it's going to be exciting times. And no, nobody wants to go through, you know, a shortage of food. I mean, think about it, if we were Ukrainian right now. It would depress the heck out of us. But hopefully, after we got over the depression, we would push through and we would be the Christians that God asked us to be. Always always see you going through your day, that list that Brother Bill was talking about, with him. He, he wants that companionship, that interaction with you. And if you, if you do that, you'll, ne- you'll never be alone. And that's exactly what he's promised. You'll, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But go with him uh, to do your to-do list. Ryan? Uh, you guys you get- nailed it on the head. Uh, I, the one thing I had was uh, this whole discussion of, you know, not worrying. It reminded me of when I was younger. Somebody would say, don't worry. And to me, it's just an, another thing that's just so broad. you got to define yeah. it. Because so, don't worry could mean two different things. Uh, there's a difference between being scared and being prepared. Right. Um, don't worry as in, you know, I've, I've, God's got your back and he's not going to let you go. But you also have to, you can't just, you know, don't worry about right. it and just let things go that matter. You know, it, um, I wrote down a verse on both sides. One is uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. So we're not supposed to be afraid. Amen. But then in Proverbs, it also says the prudent man foresees evil and, <laughs> and that's hides the verse himself. I was thinking of. The simple man passes on and right. is punished. So... so 
if your family is not making some sort of provision for your family, you're not prepared. I, I mean, whether that's putting back some more money, whether that's growing some lettuce, <laughs> something, something. You, you need to be prepared on some level. I think that, and we've talked about this before, I think going full prepper, you know, you can get, go down that rabbit hole, you know. Well, you know what I say about prepping. So you can outlive everybody else by 30 days. That's are you right. sure you want to prep? Are you sure? Hey, amen. Um, but, and again, I think one of the, the values of Christians being prepared for tough times is we can help other people, you know, True. Uh, and, and the such. That last 30 days. Yeah. You know, I, I had a... Years and years ago, had a situation where, you know, a friend was was prepping, and uh, made the statement that well, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, we can just all go here and da da da. I'm like, well, unless the entire church goes away, I'm still going to have a responsibility. I may not get paid, I may not da da da, but I will still, unless the Lord releases my calling, I'll still have a responsibility here. So I can't, I'm not going to be free to just go and hide type thing. And, and some, some may be allowed to do that. Some may be called to do that. And that's what you got to work through. You know, until God gives me another calling, this is where I'm supposed to be, whether it's good or bad. Well, I've said for years that I would be the first to go in the Hunger Games. I have absolutely level zero survival Just shoot skills. me. But I do, you know, hang heavy on the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, and specifically at the end of 6 when he's saying, do not be anxious for anything um, about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor they sow. And we've talked about this right. many times, and I, I, I love this. And if God is going to take care of the lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, if he cares so much about the detail of a flower that lasts for a season, right. he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you. until. And it's like you said, until God's done with you on this planet, You're invincible. Exactly. So when it's time for us to go, it's time. But yeah. until that time, He's going to take care of our needs. He's promised it, and I believe what He says is true. Amen. Uh, so one last thing: what do we what do we do for the Ukrainians? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If we were being bombarded by Canada, let's say, what would we want the Ukrainian Christians to pray for us? Protection, of course. Yeah. Provision. Yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been praying two things, for peace and victory. And I've been praying, too, for, you know, God to show himself in a very real way to Amen. people that didn't believe before. Uh, so uh, the, I shared this Sunday morning. Um, our missions director got a word from one of our churches that was supporting people, so they're giving out food and such of that nature, that a Russian tank pulls up and the people get out of the tank and they say we're out of gas, we're out of food we're freezing to death and so they fed them uh, and they even allowed them to use their cell phone to call their family back in Russia because uh, supposedly none of the soldiers all the contact has been cut off between them and their families and so uh, I thought that was pretty cool 
And I thought of that too. I was like, just because Russia's at war doesn't mean the people in Russia are supporting the war right. and are happy they're at war. And certainly there's Christians in Russia that are probably just no devastated, devastated that this is happening. Right. Um, Amen. Just pray that, you know, God would be made known um, to the people, to Russia and to the Ukraine Amen. in any way possible through this. And I think it is important for us to do what we can do. This church voted two Sunday nights ago to send $3,000 to the Ukrainian churches that are there that, that are connected to us uh, and, and the such. And so I think it's important for us to do what we can. But certainly prayer, all of us can pray uh, and ask God to help them. I think, I think they're needing to come in. Out of time. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.